this day, the day that we initially dropped this episode, we are celebrating the National Day of Prayer here in the United States. And today on Life Talks, we're going to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be praying for your country? How should you do it? When should you do it? What should you pray for specifically? My name's Dan, and I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in Metropolitan Charlotte. Ben, we've been doing the series now for several episodes on prayer and so forth, and it just so happened that the calendar aligned. It just so happened. Day of prayers on one of yeah. our, our drop days. So uh, talk to us a little bit. First of all, you know the history of this. Yeah, I mean, National Day of Prayer really began officially in the in the legal code, I guess we could say, um, started in 1952, Harry Truman, and uh, I think it was, they made this declaration that it should be, I think, July 4th or something like that, and then under Reagan, it moved to the first Thursday in May. But mm-hmm. that wasn't, I mean, if you go back further in our, in our nation's history, there have been multiple times when you know, presidents, whether it was FDR, Woodrow Wilson, Abraham Lincoln, uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, even lots of people ha- that have had, there's been national crises, would call on the nation. And here's what's interesting, um, for humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Those are the three words that they used, humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And uh, so this has been a, this has been a, uh, Praying for the nation has been something that has been very normal for Americans throughout our, you know, three hundred year history, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, this is a this is a really really important conversation to have because I think as Christians we believe it's good to pray for, for the nation, but sometimes we're like, well, what do I say? Right. You know, and so I and and then I think there's some other things that's kind of like there's so much things about the nations in the Bible what. What, what's applicable to us, what isn't? I, so I think those are some important things to talk about. Yeah, well, one thing's for sure. If we wanted to make up a list of prayer requests for our nation, we would not uh, <laughs> be able to do that in one episode. There's a lot of things for true. which we should be praying. That is really sad. But, but talk to us a little bit about you know the biblical origin of, of this challenge. So that's a great question. One of the things I think up, up front we need to say this. I'm going to tick a lot of people off, but Dan told me to say this. So if you want to write emails, <laughs> write it to Dan. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Listen, people. Israel does not equal the United States. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So when the Bible talks about the nations or the nation whose God is the Lord, it's not talking about the United States of America. Yeah. Okay. Which means... That although there are promises to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, that does not mean that those are promises for us today. You mean like if my people, which are called by my name, yes, those, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that passage, Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen, and we can look at that. Here's what I would say: I believe there are principles when we read about that, not necessarily promises. Okay, so mm-hmm. so for example, that passage. In fact. Let's turn there, Dan. I've got my Bible right here. Um, you know, Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. Now, again, this is Solomon praying at the temple, dedicating the temple, God's presence within His people. Okay, it says, "If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land." So, this is the idea of the blessing and curses. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. This idea that if you obey God, if you follow God, if you follow His laws, He will bless you as a people. I bless you as a nation. If you rebel against God and follow idols and do your own thing, He's going to bring curses upon you. So, there's this. There's this covenant baked into the nation of Israel of blessing and curses. And so, but 
what Solomon was saying was that if if at any moment within you turning away from God, you turn back to God, those covenant promises and blessings he promised, he will bring back to you. Okay, that's that's what he's saying. We no nation under heaven has the same covenant promises that God made to the nation, to the to the ethnic people of the Jewish people. So therefore, we as Americans can't take that and be like, well, if you know, if we do it now, now let me just say this. I think the principle is still probably a a sound principle. The yeah, idea it's that it's a truism. It's a truism. Yeah. If if enough people in our nation humbled themselves, repented of our sins, and turned to God, I believe good things would happen. Just like they did for Nineveh and the Assyrians. Just like they mm-hmm. did for Nineveh. That's another example I was going to say. Is that there are times as nations we have seen God God turn the direction, and Nineveh is one of those great great examples. Um, it, but I think we need to remember. That God, God is over the nations. Okay, so we know that there's there's not one nation under God or not one nation under heaven that is not some way God's not responsible or, or oversees them. God is the one who raises up nations. He's the one that tears down nations. We we know that. So I, I think we got to be very careful, especially as Americans, because we have a Judeo-Christian um, historical rootedness. In our ethics and in a lot of our worldview, I think a lot of times we we tend to kind of replace our we take we read things in the Old Testament. And all of a sudden, we apply them to us because hey, we're a Christian nation. And and let me just say this: I don't believe nations can be Christian. Yeah, I I don't because the Bible says there's only only people can be Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I I said this before. We started rolling. This folks get a piece of pen or a piece of paper <laughs> and a pen out right now. You're getting ready to hear profundity. <laughs> Christian should always be a noun and not an adjective. Amen. That's good. So, so I'm not saying that there should. You know, you've been in Christian education. I think mm-hmm. there's a, a way edu- Christians do education, mm-hmm. but I don't think that we should always try to make certain things Christian, like Christian movies, Christian music, Christian. You know, it's just all of a sudden that. Christian is, was meant to be a noun, not an adjective. Yeah, and we separates. need to remember yeah, that. Yeah, it separates. It's a categorized. Because the only way you can have truly have a Christian nation is if every single person in that nation is a Christian and you have adopted almost like your constitution is, is uh, you know, the New Testament. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? There's no such thing as a genuine Christian nation. Now, a nation can adopt Christian principles. They can adopt a Christian, Judeo-Christian ethic and worldview. You can have a Christian worldview, yeah. But, but you cannot... If the Christian, if there were only Christians in a country, we would divide into would we have three thousand denominations anyway? I mean, that's what that's what our track record. You'd does. have you have way more than two political parties. I tell you that much that's for sure. So I think I want to get those things out of the way to kind of say that you know that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about our nation here in America. He, I believe He does, but it's not because He cares about the the nation state of the United States of America. God cares about our nation because he cares about the people within the nation. And so I think that's that's really important that that we understand that. I think many times I grew Dan, I don't know about you, but I grew up with a I don't think it was ever taught, but it was kind of like it permeated the the I- ideals that we had that God liked Americans more than he liked other nations. Yeah. That's still that's still very predominant in western Culture. And and yeah. we have to remember that no no God loves he, he loves Iraqis and Iranians and Americans the same mm-hmm. as far as you know loving all people now mm-hmm. um and and it's uh, 
what that means is we as Christians, as people of faith, we have the opportunity to get involved in government. We have the opportunity as a whole other conversation. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about government or how people rule themselves, but God's God's concern is primarily for lost people to be born again into his kingdom. Yeah. Primarily, that's what he cares about. Secondarily, he cares about the the governance, right? And we see that in in certain parts in the New Testament. How you know, pray pray for your governmental leaders, right? It talks about that in in Second Timothy or First Timothy chapter two, verses one through four. Uh, talks about in Romans chapter thirteen how we're supposed to show honor to the leadership of, or to the government governing authorities. So God does care about how how civil government operates. But that's not his primary means by which he's looking to to bring transformation. So I think when we're when we're talking about praying for our nation, the first thing I think we we have to do is understand what are we asking God for? Are we asking God for uh you know for us to be a Christian nation? Or I think what we've got to do, number there's two things that God tells us to pray for. We need to pray for people, we need to pray for our leaders. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think if we pray for our nation, I think we gotta pray for the people. Of our nation, and we've got to pray for the leaders of our people. Yeah. And 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 when we pray for the people, we ought not be praying that they'll be prosperous or praying that they'll be uh, that they'll vote the correct way. Primarily, as a believer, the interest that God has in us and we is reconciliation with the Creator. That's right. So we ought to be praying for their salvation above That's every right. other thing. It's not 100%. wrong to pray for good health and prosperity and these other yeah. things, but the first. Item on our prayer list ought to be for the salvation of the people of all nations. hundred percent. That every man, woman, yes. boy, and girl yeah. should be able to come into contact with the gospel That's and right. respond to it. That's right. So I, I wrote down four things I, I believe the Bible wants us to pray for for our, the people of our of our nation. Mm. Um, and, and the the four are this: number one, for righteousness. Mm. The idea that you know Proverbs fourteen verse thirty four. This idea that we God cares about the righteousness of the people in the land. And um, we need to be praying that people have, and righteousness doesn't happen apart from salvation. So I think first thing for, for God to save souls, number two, for righteousness to, to be, to be, to rule in our land. I think there's, that's a really important thing the scripture to pray says, for. Righteousness exalts the yes. nation. Yeah. yeah. The exact opposite of that is judgment. That mm. we would pray for God to judge wickedness. Mm. That's it's throughout Scripture. We see that th- you know, there's a great phrase. If you want to ever kind of search a phrase in Scripture, search the phrase "Arise, O Lord," or "Arise, O God," and that phrase is is throughout the Old Testament and talks about this idea of God rising up to judge the wickedness of men, and it's it's almost like this idea of God God do something. God, I'm asking you to to, to to rise up and do something for us. And so um, I think you need to pray for, for righteousness to rule and reign in our, in our, in our families and our people. I also think we got to pray, God, stop the wickedness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. One of the things I pray on a continual basis is God tear down some of the, you know, tear down the porn industry, tear down the, you know, the, the, the abortionists, the abortionists yeah. tear down, tear down some of these, some of these wicked people that are in government that want to permeate a lot of the sexual revolution that's really destruction to our, to our young people, this transgender movement. Like, I think we need to be praying against that because we believe that nothing good's going to come from that, yeah. you know? And those actions ultimately separate us from God, which goes back to the original thing for which we should be praying, is the salvation of the people of the nations. 100%. 
Third thing I think we need to pray for is humility. Praying mm. that that we, like what it says in Second Chronicles, that we would be a humble people, that we would recognize our need and dependency on God. And a lot of the, a lot of the repentance that happens is not going to happen unless we re, that we humble ourselves to God. Um, and then the last thing is Jeremiah twenty nine verse seven talks about you know it's Jeremiah writing a letter to the exiles. And they're like, what should we, how should we live in the midst of our captivity? And one of the things he says, you know, seek the flourishing of your city, because if they, if it prospers, you will prosper. And so one of the things that, that we're flourishing are shalom, that the idea of shalom is we see that throughout the Old Testament. Shalom is this idea, a lot of times it's translated peace, but it's, it's bigger than just, hey, I'm, I have tranquility. Shalom is this picture of God's flourishing amongst people. That that thing that life is happening in a way that God designed it to happen. That's what shalom means. It means there's there's harmony between mankind and each other. There's harmony between God and man. And so that's really what this idea of shalom means. And so I think we need to be praying for the flourishing of our of our people that they would, as they humble themselves, as they're living out righteous lives, as God is bringing to to judgment on wickedness that there would be a, a shalom in our land. So those are those are four things that I see the people of God praying for and God encouraging the people to pray for. So those those are, those are things that I, I think we should pray for our people. Any, anything that you would suggest? Yeah, I mean, I, th- those that, obviously that's just a starting point. Yeah. There's many others that, that we could add to that. But <clears throat> particularly as it relates to, you know, prayer— is so that we align ourselves with what God is doing. Right. That's part of the responsibility. And, and I think praying for those reminds us again that we are aliens on this mm-hmm. planet mm-hmm. who live in a nation, yeah. but that the leadership the leadership has fallen, we are fallen, the culture has fallen, yeah. and, and the humility that we pray for is a humility before God. Yeah. And when we don't think we need God, then there is an absence of humility. Yeah. And I'm afraid that in our affluence, uh, in our uh, spirit of entitlement that has overtaken our nation, we don't feel like we should ever have to suffer. We don't feel mm. like we should ever have to ask. Mm. We don't feel like we should ever have to uh, you, you know, to no want. And and yet this is one of the ways God purifies us and the yes. way that God reminds yeah. us to be humble before him. Yeah. So I think those are really, really good categories. And if we just stopped at those, it would certainly give us more than enough to pray for on yes. this National Day of Prayer. Absolutely. So the last thing I think we need to pray for is our leaders. And the Bible's very clear that we should pray for our leaders. First Timothy chapter two, verses one through four, if you want to, uh, you know, look at that. But it's, it's Paul commanding, hey, Timothy, tell your people, pray, pray for the people in authority over you. Pray for the governmental leaders. Pray, pray that that so that our lives would reflect this sense of let's live in peace. But there's there's three things I think we could pray for our leaders. Number one, submission. There's throughout, you know, read Psalm 2, Psalm uh 22, Proverbs 21, where it talks about the in the heart, the heart of the king is in the hands of God. And this idea that uh that 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 our leaders would submit to a biblical authority of of who God is that they wouldn't they wouldn't be naturalistic they wouldn't be humanistic they wouldn't be nihilistic they they but they would have a christian worldview because if they have a christian worldview then they will they will lead lead the people in a, in a greater way the second thing is to pray for justice and mercy this idea of, that our leaders would know how to bring 
bring the the sword of justice as it talks about in certain passages of scripture, uh, Romans chapter thirteen, um, it being one of them. That we know that they know exactly what to you know how to exercise their authority in the civil realm. I think that's really important. And then lastly, pray for wisdom. You know, Solomon is a great illustration of what happens when there, there's a leader and there's someone who, you know, they don't know what to do. And so God offers Solomon, what, what do you want from me? And he says, give me wisdom to lead your people. I think praying for wisdom for our leaders is really important. So submission, justice, wisdom. I think if we pray for those three things for our, our leaders, no matter what political party they are, uh, I think we're going to see, I mean, we, we can rest our heads at, our, you know, in our, our pillows at night knowing that, hey, we have prayed for God to do a great thing. Yep. Well, on this on this coming uh, Thursday or today, as you listen to this, I, I, I know that, you know, sometimes churches set aside time during the day. Um, I know that some people go to the city hall to pray mm-hmm. or go to some government facility. Uh, how would you recommend that that we... It, it, as people who believe in prayer, people who want spiritual revival in this country, how should we personally commemorate this day? Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I think doing it with someone that, whether it's your family, whether it's your people at work, you know, sometimes, you know, it, sometimes just I know it might be late, late notice now, and maybe there's nothing at your work environment that you feel like you can do. Maybe next year, volunteer. I mean, this is again, this is a national movement. Um, volunteer to lead a prayer time for. Anyone who wants to show up in the break room or, or an empty room in your office space or or amongst the employees, but but invite people to pray. And some of the things that I suggested that we pray for, um, pray for those things. I think that's something that um, God God's going to honor that because I think we've talked about this with especially the Bless initiative that we've been doing. People are open to prayer. And if you invite people to pray, I think you're going to open yourself up to a lot of different spiritual conversations. So you know, if no one's taking ownership of it in your environment, whether it's neighborhood, school, workplace, take ownership of it and choose to lead the group in, the group in prayer. And uh, I think if you do that, you know, again, God's going to honor that. Amen. Well, it's been a great conversation today as we turn our hearts toward national prayer, and I hope that you will join with those that you love and those who love Christ and uh, and take some time on this National Day of Prayer and allow that to be a focus as we continue our series on prayer here at Life Talks. As always, we appreciate you listening to us. If you would share us on social media, we'd appreciate that. If you ever have a question or a topic you'd like to recommend that we address, you can always let us know at lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. And until next time, thanks as always for joining us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. The Ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.